today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that the more I pray, the more I'll love. And conversely, the more I love, the more I'll pray. One of the things that I just have really come to realize in my relationship with the Lord is that prayer changes you. We say prayer changes things, but prayer really changes me. It changes my heart. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Praying for our enemies can be a difficult thing to do. Many of us have heard this advice before, but why should we? Well, as Pastor J.D. discusses, prayer changes us. It changes our hearts. Praying for someone is an act of love, and when we pray for someone who has hurt us, our hearts begin to heal. At the same time, when we pray for someone we love, we allow our love for them to grow. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today's teaching is going to be part three of a series I titled, What True Love Is and Does. Today's text is one of those places in the Word of God where I'm reminded of how it is that no matter where you're at in the Word of God, it speaks to where you're at in your life. This is why the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword able to divide between soul and spirit, even bone and marrow, as it were. Such is the case today, and it was also the case on Thursday night. For the benefit of those who weren't with us on Thursday night for our midweek Bible study, I actually broke from the expositional teaching where we We're going through the Old Testament book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse and having just completed Second Chronicles and before going into the book of Ezra, which is the next book, I sensed that the Lord would have me to do a topical teaching, which we did, and it was on the topic of the power of prayer. It was in Psalms chapter 6, which is one of my favorite all-time psalms. I know I say that about all of the psalms, but this particular uh, psalm, over the years, God has used in my life personally in a profound and powerful way. It was Psalm 6, among others, that the Lord just really ministered to me when our daughter Noel was dying. I would have my Bible in one hand and I would have my dying daughter in the other hand and I would just simply cry out to the Lord and and the prayer was not even really words. It was just moaning and groaning and this is what David does in Psalm 6. By way of introduction, I want to take just a little bit of time to provide you with a backstory of sorts 
that led up to the teaching on Thursday night concerning prayer and also what has really transpired over the many months concerning where I uh, see the Lord leading us together as a church. Over the last several months, the Lord has been ministering to me concerning the power of just simply praying. And even praying and fasting, though I'm not going to take the time today to talk about fasting, that's really a, a topic unto itself. But I've been walking with the Lord for over 35 years now, and I'm beginning to realize that the most powerful possession I have, the most powerful weapon, really, that I possess is prayer, my own personal prayer life. Years ago, I heard Pastor Chuck Smith describe prayer as the deciding factor, and he did so by way of an illustration of two men in a fist fight. Two men in a fist fight are, for the most part, on a level playing field until one of them wields a knife. That knife now in that fist fight changes everything and becomes the deciding factor in spelling defeat for the opponent, which is why the opponent will now seek to do everything possible to dislodge that knife from his opponent's hand. The knife is likened unto prayer in the sense that prayer in the hand of a believer is the deciding factor in the spiritual warfare that we encounter on a daily basis, especially increasing so, uh, more so in these days in which we live. And that's why, by the way, it is that every time you set out to pray, all hell breaks loose, right? You, you know, set aside time to pray and the phone rings and the kids fight and there's someone at the door and it's always a wrong number, you know, and that's the enemy trying to dislodge the knife of prayer, if you will, from your hand because the devil knows that it's the deciding factor in deciding your victory and his defeat. Back in 1992, Mike McIntosh and Raul Reese produced a video documentary titled A Venture in Faith, which is about the history and philosophy of the Calvary Chapel movement. I've watched this video several times, numerous times over the years, and one of the things that had really struck me was the centrality of prayer, the Role that prayer played in the hippie movement, (laughs) the Jesus Revolution, as Time Magazine called it, which took place back in the late 60s and then the 70s. In the video, there's this interview of one of Pastor Chuck's mentors, now with the Lord, and of course Pastor Chuck is with the Lord now as well. And he was asked this question, The question was, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? Now, you have to understand, this man was elderly, this elderly saint, this man of God, mightily used of God. 
And I have to say that his answer really took me back. Uh, it stunned me, really. He said, if I had to do it all over again, I would have prayed more. I would have prayed more. I thought, wow. Here's this man of God. And if he had to do it all over again, here I am, young at the time. I was young once. I know it's, <laughs> we all were. And here's this man that has been so faithful to God. And he says towards the end of his life that he wishes he would have prayed more. In 1994, a friend of mine gave me a VHS tape at the time for you young people. They were a plastic cartridge with actual tape that went on anyway. It was a video of Pastor Jim Simbola who was speaking at a praise gathering conference. And the title of his message was, My House Shall Be Called a House of Prayer. In it, he shares very openly and really very candidly about the power of prayer. And he shares about how it was the power of prayer that brought his firstborn daughter, Chrissy, back to the Lord, who had gotten away from them and the Lord. And it was in a Tuesday night prayer meeting at his church, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, there in New York. And you have to understand that at the time, and this is some 23 years ago now, they would have in their prayer meeting on a Tuesday night, this is the prayer meeting, mind you, this isn't a Sunday morning service, this isn't a midweek Bible study. They would have some 3,000 plus people in attendance at their prayer meeting. When we learned that our daughter Noel was going to die, I sent Brooklyn Tabernacle Church a prayer request uh, to pray for us and they have people there in that church praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You have to understand too that in this church they're right there in the the hub of Brooklyn and they on any given day have Heroin addicts and prostitutes and, I mean, broken people who walk into the front door of that church. And many come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it's all birthed out of prayer. Out of prayer. Well, I've watched this video numerous times. I've actually literally lost count. And like a venture in faith, both videos concerning chiefly prayer, have had a profound impact on my life over the years. And that's where our text comes in now today. And with it, the example of the Apostle Paul's love for and prayer for the Christians in the Corinthian church. I don't know if you noticed it or not when we were reading the text but Paul refers to prayer two times in four verses. Why do I point that out? Because it's Paul's tough love for the Corinthians that propels Paul's prayer 
for the Corinthians. It's been said of Paul that he had camel knees because he was always on his knees in prayer. Paul was a man of prayer. And Paul was a man of prayer because Paul was a loving man. And he certainly loved these Corinthians. And that's what I want to talk about today. Let me say it this way. If I love, I'll pray. And if I pray, I'll love. And I want to explain that and expound on that. In verse 7, Paul prays that they won't do anything wrong. And he says that it's not so others see that he himself, Paul, had stood the test, but because they must do what's right. And in verses 8 and 9, he says he cannot do anything against the truth, only for the truth. And he's glad that when he's weak, it's okay. (laughs) He's okay with that if it means that they are strong, which he says is his prayer. In other words, he's actually praying specifically that way for them. Verse 10, he goes on to tell them the reason that he's writing them in this way in his absence is because when he comes, he doesn't want to be harsh with them using that God-given authority that he has, which is to build them up and not to tear them down. In order to better understand what Paul is saying here, it is really imperative that we view this through the lens of Paul's love for the Corinthians. He's speaking the truth in love to them because of his love for them, which is why and even how he prays specifically concerning them. Now, Here's the thing. (laughs) Paul loved them, but they did not love Paul. It was not reciprocated on the part of the Corinthians. And even Paul alludes to this back in chapter 12, verse 15, where he, in effect, says, the more I love you, the less you love me in return. But that's not going to stop me from loving you. I'm not going to withhold my love for you. In fact, if anything, I I love you even more, regardless of whether or not it's reciprocated on your part or not. I would suggest that the reason they didn't love Paul in return is because they didn't pray for Paul. He had prayed for them. Again, To love is to pray, and to pray is to love. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that the more I pray, the more I'll love. And conversely, the more I love, the more I'll pray. One of the things that I just have really come to realize in my relationship with the Lord is that Prayer changes you. We say prayer changes things, but prayer really changes me. It changes my heart. It really sort of softens my heart. 
It's my hope that the simplicity of this doesn't lead to the dismissiveness of this in the sense that prayer is so simple. Prayer is so simple. You know what prayer is? Prayer is just talking to God. On Thursday night in Psalm 6, you read how David prayed, and you would think that he was talking to his best friend. He was. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what needless pain we bear as the hymn of old goes, all because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Prayer is so simple. Maybe it's too simple. And you know what's sad? Many a Christian and certainly many a pastor have unnecessarily complicated prayer. And the result of it is that it has created prayerless Christians resulting in loveless Christians, which in turn makes powerless Christians. When you see prayer as something that's complicated, or even as something that needs to be formal, you essentially remove it from being a get-to, and you turn it into a got-to. And again, I I hope I've not done this, but many pastors is at fault for talking about we, we need to pray. We need to be in the Word more. Okay, i got to pray. i got to get in the Word more. I think of what we affectionately call our devotions, you know, our devotional life. That time that we set aside, usually in the morning, to spend time with the Lord, to spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer. We devote that time to the Lord. And it's sad because I know in my own life, the enemy has in large measure over the years succeeded in making it a, I've got to do this instead of, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do this. I I can't wait to have this time with Jesus. You shouldn't. How do I word this without? <laughs> I appreciate your patience with me. This is, um, you shouldn't have to say to yourself, I got to pray. It should just be, I'm praying. I'm praying. Should never be a a got to. It should always be a get to. I think of Peter. No one had to tell him to pray when he took his eyes off of Jesus there in that storm <laughs> on the Sea of Galilee, and then he miraculously walked on water. And when he took his eyes off the Lord, you know the story, he began to sink. And as he's sinking, he cries out to the Lord and he simply prays a three-word prayer, Lord, save me. 
Can you imagine if Jesus would have said, you call that a prayer? I thought I taught you better how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. He prays a three-word prayer, Lord, save me, and Jesus answers the prayer and saves Peter. How simple is that? How simple is that? I like how one said it. It's not the length of the prayer, it's the strength of the prayer. Oh, by the way, that does not apply to sermons, as by now I'm sure you're very aware of. The effectual, fervent prayer of those who are righteous in Christ, James 5.16 says, avails much, accomplishes much. Don't you find it interesting that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray and that they didn't ask him to teach them how to preach? Think about that. Why do you think that is? I believe that the disciples watched the Savior pray and were so moved by the power that came as a result of that prayer. And they wanted that. They wanted that. Jesus, I would imagine them asking, teach us to pray that way. Because we see what that does and accomplishes. And we want that in our lives. I was thinking this last week that if we would but go around and give you an opportunity to share your testimony of answered prayer, it would be so fabulous, for lack of a better word. It would be so edifying. It would be so encouraging. We all have our stories of God moving His mighty hand on behalf of His own who would simply ask him. I think of what Jesus said about answered prayer. He, in effect, said this. The prayer you pray will absolutely, without question, without exception, be answered if it'll bring glory to the Father. Ask anything according to my will, and you will have that which you ask for. That's pretty certain, isn't it? The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly, that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android, and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor J.D.'s Aloha Prophecy Update. 
Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Only me true.